Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Peraldino Joey, or Joey Awaj, and Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Nice to be back on board once again today to talk about the NFL Draft. Going to review it. Still haven't even started cleanups yet because the ground was too wet after the snowfall finally melted and all that with all the warm weather. And it's dry enough now, and it's but it's raining out a little bit, so still delayed. So I'm able to do this show a little bit earlier than normal in the past. And after this show, I will be taking a hiatus for a while. Probably because of, uh, well, I'm going to be moving soon and all that. So I'll talk about that more at the end. But you get the idea. Just explaining why I'm able to jump on board right away here for the, the draft review, which is good. Get it done and then have to disappear for a little bit. So what a draft it was, eh? What a draft. How do I feel about the 2018 Minnesota Vikings draft class? I don't know yet. Well, I kind of know, but you get the idea. We'll get to that in a second. Crazy draft, uh, offensive line, all that. Your list, wow, you got all these guards, these interior linemen, and they dropped like flies one after another. After a few quarterbacks and running backs were taken early on, a couple surprise picks by the Cleveland Browns. Might as well be the Cleveland Barons, the uh, folded hockey team, but you get the idea. The folded NHL team that joined the North Stars years ago and eventually moved to San Jose. Yeah kind of weird, but became the Sharks, kind of. It was like a metamorphosis. They metamorphosed into the North Stars and then metamorphosed out of the North Stars into the San Jose Sharks because they took half the team and started the Sharks, and it's kind of weird. But why am I talking about that? I don't know, because this draft was weird, so I might as well get weird myself. Uh, Baker Mayfield, number one overall. Saquon Barkley joins Mr. Pat Shermer. Sam Darnold, I don't really want to go over the whole draft or anything, but might as well just say the highlights a little bit. Uh, Sam Darnold is pretty much going to end Teddy Bridgewater's chances of being uh, able to play, I think, unfortunately for the New York Jets, though his knee may do that, unfortunately, as well. God bless Teddy Bridgewater, only 500000 guaranteed, and question marks continue to haunt him, as they will for a while now, until he finally gets back on the field and is a starting quarterback again. And I do believe Teddy Bridgewater will resurface as a starting quarterback at some point. I miss him already, but um, it's too bad the way things went there. Three quarterbacks in New York, though. You got uh, you got your Darnolds, you got your uh, you got your uh, <laughs> McCowns, and you got your Teddy Bridgewater. And then another weird pick by Cleveland, Denzel Ward. A bit of a reach there, cornerback, but could end up being good. Uh, again, a reach though for the fourth overall pick, Bradley Chubb. Couple of chubs, couple of chubbies going on there. After uh, Denver, Quentin Nelson. There's your top guard that started the free fall. Josh Allen to the Buffalo Bills. Bills traded up to get him. And I think everybody in this division got better in this draft, which concerns me. Uh, the Bears, Rokon Smith, looks like he'll be a good linebacker for a while. Mike McGlinchey to the Niners. That's going to continue to happen. Josh Rosen as the Cardinals traded up to get him. A lot of people thought the Cardinals would sit at 15 and take uh, my guy Lamar Jackson. He would remain a Cardinal. He would go from the Louisville Cardinals to the Arizona Cardinals, but that did not take place. And things continue to move around. Uh, New Orleans Saints traded way up from the bottom of the draft there, about 29th to 14th to take Marcus Davenport. So good luck there. Colton Miller goes next. He's another offensive line tackle, obviously big name from UCLA off to the Las Vegas <clears throat> Oakland Raiders. And you continue dropping down. And then you see a pick by the Green Bay Packers that made you a little nervous. And again, we're going to be talking about these two teams. Packers, well, all three of them, Bears and Lions, a bit in this draft. I think they did well for themselves. Jair Alexander to the uh, Green Bay Packers, the top cornerback on his way to Green Bay. And they weren't done taking cornerbacks, were they? <laughs> 
And the guy the Vikings wanted, I think a lot of us thought the Vikings would end up taking him, goes to the Detroit Lions. Oh, goody, aren't you happy for the Detroit Lions? They got Frank Drag now. <laughs> what? I mean, that's f- freaking awful. That's great, yeah, it's just... That's just great. I'm so excited that Frank Ragnow went to the Detroit Lions. That makes me feel so much better. As what's his name wasn't already hard enough to get down at times. Oh, what's his name? Oh, I don't even want to go there anymore. Mm. Yeah, Lions quarterback. Yeah. Well, Billy Price to the, the Cincinnati Bengals as they continue to disappear. And then, okay, <clears throat> watch the Patriots take uh, Lamar Jackson, their quarterback of the future. No, Isaiah Wynn. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Isaiah Wynn. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, there goes Isaiah Wynn and, and uh, Frank Ragnow. And let's see, who else is there? Billy Price. Wait a minute. Oh, no. Oh, this is not going well. No, it's not going well at all. Well, that means the Vikings are going to take James Daniels out of Iowa. Dave Hickey, get ready to pop that champagne. Iowa Hawkeyes. Oh, yeah. That star offensive lineman, right guard slash center. Well, center especially, but he'll be right guard with Minnesota. Here we go. We're going to... We are going to shore up that offensive line. We are going to get ready to go. But there was one other guy a lot of people were talking about, and I talked about on the last episode, about one part of the Vikings. Obviously, sure, there's needs all over the place. Defensive line, maybe you want to bring in another three technique to de- to uh, develop behind Sheldon Williams for a year, and maybe if Williams bolts, there you go, ready to rock and roll, or at bare minimum have a very, very nice rotation on the defensive line. But I kind of think it's James Daniels and all that. And then there was the other thing. There's that cornerback issue where, you know, you can't really trust McKenzie Alexander. Trey Waynes might bolt. You never know. Xavier Rhodes. 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 Yeah, that was a cute one. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. This and that. Guys get hurt a lot. And uh, Newsom's ancient, obviously. So wh- where do you go from here, boys? Where do you go from here? Well... Turnovers were a part of the Vikings that was lacking last year. Kick returning was lacking last year. There's always something lacking. Even a 13-3 and team, you can find a ton of holes in the team. The Vikings lacked in special teams returning, particularly kickoff. You know, yeah, because the Marcus Sherrills is, you know, he's become very average as a punt returner. That's why I kind of think he might be on his way out, the way things are heading. But we'll see what happens there. So you get a guy who's an elite kick returner and a guy who can force turnovers, tip down passes and all that, and you end up with Mike Hughes. So there it is, Mike Hughes taken by the Minnesota Vikings with the 30th overall pick. Initially, I was like, sweet, cool, we got Mike Hughes. And then it's like, yeah, but, oh man, we didn't take any offensive linemen. And then the way round two started the next day, I just got a pit in my stomach, you know, that frog in your throat. You're just like, okay, what the hell? What the hell? And it, and the Vikings weren't trading up and this and that. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, day two was just, oh, my God, it was just agonizing. You know, in the years past, I mean, just last year, Pat Elfline, third round, third round, Pat Elfline. He's, you know, look how good Pat Elfline is. He might be a Pro Bowl center in the NFL, or a guard, or whatever, wherever you could put him. He's interchangeable. A lot of those centers can play guard. A lot of guards can play center. Especially, but centers, obviously, they're a bit more used to being in their position if they already started as a center. So moving to guard is not a very difficult transition. Where vice versa is a little bit tougher, but, eh, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mike Hughes got his four interceptions, and he's a good kick returner and all that. I mean, phenomenal kick returner. I mean, how can you go wrong there? He returned a punt for a touchdown last year. Uh, average, obviously, over the course of his uh, 
season last year on 14 returns is about 16 and a half. That's pretty good for punt returns because usually you don't have a whole lot of space. Kickoff returns is average last year in 20, 20 returns, almost 32 yards. Wow, two of them were touchdowns. That's pretty damn good. Now, the conversy plays in because this is University of Central Florida. Of course, they used to play for North Carolina, but off the field issues that I don't really want to get into here. I'm just talking about football right now. Um, not the best things in the world. But, well, you had off the field issues with uh, uh, Delvin Cook last year as well. But look how good he turned out to be until that doggone misstep or whatever you want to call that. Just bad luck type of uh, knee injury there with the ACL. A little, yeah, I don't know, just... Something strange happened with the footing and his knee buckled. That really sucked, but hopefully he's ready to rock and roll again. It sounds like he is. Again, no off-field issues, but sure, sure looks like a star for many years. Hopefully the same for Mike Hughes. He can play wide. He can play wide and uh, we'll say outside and inside. Of course, slot corner. Odds are he'll start off as a slot corner, but he can also play wide as well. So he can be a replacement for. Say you're not, you have no faith in McKenzie Alexander taking that position, or if Trey Wayne's bolts, McKenzie Alexander is the slot corner, and then you got yourself your uh, your your wide corner with Mike Hughes, despite the fact he's about, well, you're getting multiple things here, <laughs> multiple <laughs> multiple numbers here. Some say five ten, some say five eleven, so I guess we'll say five ten and a half. I guess for Mike Hughes, not a tall guy, but you do have the big anchor in Xavier Rhodes, so you can't get too mad. Is Trey Wayne's going to bolt? Does he feel unhappy? Does he want more money, this and that, when it's, uh, the contract comes? Obviously, he's going to want more money, but we'll see what happens. I mean, Trey Wayne's isn't a sure thing anyway. The Mike Hughes draft pick is good, but then it's day two that really sets anybody who's a Viking fan who is just dying to get offensive line help and depth and all that. It sends you into a rage, and that's what day two did for me. It put me into a bleeping rage. And I started ranting on the Facebook page. We'll talk about that in segment number two. As this will be a two-segment show, draft review, and fan interaction. Most off-season shows are just two segments. But, you know, at the at the end of the day, I calmed down a bit, this and that. Uh, Mike Hughes and the next pick, we'll get to him in a bit, are obviously this draft is looking more as a future type of draft rather than a win-now draft. And a lot of the local broadcasters, Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar, and others, are like, this is a win-now situation, Courtney Cronin, all those types. Um, it's a win-now situation. NFL is not for long. you got to hurry up and win now, this and that. And these players are not win-now players. Uh, Mike Hughes could be, at bare minimum, with the special teams. And the Vikings addressed special teams in this draft. We'll talk about the fifth-round pick later, as things got pretty interesting in Day 3. I thought Day 3 was pretty good. Um, day 1, it's debatable, but again, you shore up something. We did something right here. It's not like we took the weirdest thing, like we took a quarterback who's probably just going to be a backup, like a Christian Ponder or something. Then you get a big fat F. <laughs> oh, he could be our backup quarterback in a couple years if he, you know, learns how to throw the ball and stuff and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, like a Christian Ponder type of quarterback. That would be like mentally ill kind of a draft pick, but that's how the Vikings would score an F here. Um, I think taking a linebacker in the first round would be a little bit questionable too. It'd be like, okay, I guess you're going to give up an Anthony Barr because you did sign um, Mr. Kendricks. We'll talk about that in a little bit, too, segment number two, as I continue to bounce all over. But an intriguing pick. Um, <clears throat> you know, you feel very safe, very comfortable at the cornerback position now. And again, you have a kick returner. And I wanted a kick returner badly going into this draft, and apparently the Vikings did, too. Uh, my guy, Naheem Hines, ended up going to the uh, Colts later on, which, you know, put me into tears a little bit, but... I really wanted Naheem Hines on this team. I really wanted a running back like a uh, Derek McKinnon type who could be 
who could actually be a good kick returner. To me, that was Naeem Hines, and it just didn't happen. Uh, maybe the Iowa running back will come in here. I don't know. Um, I don't even, because I don't think he was drafted. I was looking and looking and looking, and I didn't see him, so I don't think he was drafted, um, obviously. But uh, we'll get back to that in a bit. Um, the Mike Hughes pick is okay, and I, I, I feel good about it. I feel better about it than I did. It's day two just set me into a bleeping rage, but there's hope that the number two pick will be good long-term, obviously, but a bit too rail thin. So again, four interceptions for Mr. Mike Hughes during the 13 games he played for UCF, University of Central Florida. <sighs> Central Florida. Yeah, whoa, that was Culpepper. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Florida State is where we got that Mr. Ponder from. Let's try not to talk about that guy. So, second round. Let's talk about the second round, eh? You got all these names, you know, Austin Corbett from Nevada. You know, there's a, there's a chance he might slip to 62. Oh, but wait, the Cleveland Browns took him number one overall in the second round. Liar. You liar, you liar! Wow. Yeah, well, this is going to go well. That was obvious for me that uh, things were not going to go well. And they didn't at all. Will Hernandez, okay, he's more of an inside zone type of a uh, lineman where you're focused more on the inside blocking and such for the running plays. We want more of a outside zone uh, blocking scheme. So, okay, fine. He's going to the Giants. They got that good running back, Saquon Barkley. Eventually, they took a quarterback much later, but they eventually took somebody to uh, hopefully be a starter someday behind 37-year-old Eli Manning. But, okay, the New York Giants needed a little bit of offensive line help, so understood. Cleveland getting Nick Chubb. What a nice draft for the Cleveland Browns, particularly day number two. Wow. Corbett and Chubb. Wow. And, of course, you have your starting quarterback and all that. Wow, Cleveland. You have a chance to be pretty good. Let's let's win a bleeping game this year. That would be nice. Okay, are the Vikings going to trade up? Okay, Braden Smith now. He's gone. Darius Leonard is gone. Two offensive linemen going to the Colts in back-to-back picks. Darius Leonard and Braden Smith. <sighs> okay, Vikings are going to trade up, right? Let's get James Daniels. Oh, wait, the Bears took him. Great. That's that's just great. The Bears just took him. I, I feel so good right now. Well, Connor Williams is still available. He's one of the best, right? Come on, Vikings. You're going to trade up and get him? No. Cowboys took him and nothing else happened. Paul Allen's guy went to uh, Chicago. Oh, goody. Anthony Miller, a pretty nice wide receiver that I talked about on the last show. And Green Bay wasn't done taking cornerbacks either. 13th overall in the second round. Yeah, 13th pick in the second round. Josh Jackson, cornerback. So you got uh, Alexander and Josh Jackson going to Green Bay. Oh, boy. Oh, well, remember when, you know, it's like Green Bay scores a lot of points. Of course, Aaron Rodgers is dangerous, but their defense, you know, they'll hit a couple home runs, but they'll give up a billion yards. You might be able to outscore them, hopefully, if you can force Aaron Rodgers to a into an interception or something, or you just magically outscore them because their defense is just so awful. Yeah, well, I think their defense got a little better, a little bit. At least in the secondary, that's going to be fun. Fun. And then, again, Anthony Miller. That's a nice one number one receiver for the Chicago Bears. Just maybe. And James Daniels. And James Daniels. That's an A-plus second round for the Chicago Bears. James Daniels and Anthony Miller. Oh, boy. I feel great. I'm just, I'm just booming with excitement. Okay, the Vikings finally took an offensive lineman, Brian O'Neill. Now, that was a guy that Matthew Collar locally, VSPN... Uh, uh, <clears throat> yeah, AM 1500 ESPN anyway, locally talked about how he liked him with his athleticism, his skill, but he's not even 300 pounds. He's six foot seven. Now, of course, he's the classic 
tight end and basketball player. Hello, Tony Gonzalez. He was a tight end turned offensive lineman, which is interesting. The guy's athleticism is noticeable. Like, you sit and watch his combine, and it's like, holy Toledo, that guy can really move. But again, hopefully, he's got a few months here, at least, to put on some muscle. <laughs> Obviously, he's got a lot of muscle, and his bench press numbers were pretty good. He got in the 30s, so that's good. The strength is there, but he needs to add a little bit of bulk, a little bit of weight, this and that. The athleticism is awesome, particularly when you have a quick running back, this and that. I think he could fit very nicely with the out zone scheme, so that's good the out zone uh, blocking schemes and such because of that quickness. I think that would help a lot, particularly, I mean, he, he is a downfield blocker at the end of the day, and that will help definitely. Uh, he was a right tackle in college, in college. He can play right tackle. He might have to start at guard because of his uh, lesser weight, but we'll see what happens. Uh, he's definitely got the talent and the ability to be an extremely good player, but when? Right away? I don't think so, but he might have to get in there right away, and he might struggle a little bit. Uh, he might get manhandled a little bit by some... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want him going against a defensive tackle, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He might get absolutely manhandled, but then again, a really good... Uh, well, it, it would be a left end, so he wouldn't be going against the right end, at least, which is the more dangerous... Uh, defensive end. Still, though, he might get absolutely manhandled out the tackle position, might be giving up sacks all day. That's what the fear is early on, because his technique just might not be at the level you need, of course. And, and, and again, when you're a rookie, you're usually not going to be that great right out of the gate, um, if, unless you're a really big, powerful guard that can handle it right out of the gate, which I think Daniels can do, and maybe the guy in the sixth round will be helpful. We'll get to him later. Uh, Brian O'Neill's skill is definitely there. The quickness will be very valuable, particularly for run plays, but I think, you know, down the field run plays or screen passes, this and that, slants and such, it'll be valuable in those uh, categories, but early on, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, he has time to put on some weight during the course of uh, the next couple months and such. Pittsburgh actually wanted him down at that level. That's what he said. So his coach in Pittsburgh actually wanted him Wanted his weight down at that level, uh, but six foot seven, very long arms, very quick. He's got a future in the NFL as a starter, a starter that could end up being extremely good. But again, will it happen right away? Probably not. But exciting nonetheless, I suppose. But frustrating when you look at all the other guards and 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 tackles that were taken earlier, and how many. Uh, Brian O'Neill was ranked 13th among tackles, not among offensive linemen, but tackles coming into this draft. So that's frustrating because, again, his technique is not all there. He's pretty damn raw because, again, he played tight end before. Tight ends block and all that. And he, it's funny, too. This is the kind of guy I bet Bill Belichick would like to have for some of those trick plays where he keep changing around uh, which offensive lineman could possibly be an eligible receiver and such. Um, number 70, <laughs> Brian... Brian O'Neill is now an eligible receiver, and there he is wide open, just like Nate Soldier was on a couple of those plays years ago for the New England Patriots, which helped them win the Super Bowl in 2014 with all those trick plays, uh, changing offensive linemen uh, into uh, eligible receivers and such downfield. So they were basically kind of like a semi-tight end. They were eligible, as other players were not in those plays. So... Yeah, you move on to the third round, and you just sit there and sit there and sit there, and, well, the Vikings trade away because... Anybody they may have wanted wasn't there. Uh, it's funny, too, because the team they traded with, Tampa Bay, Alex Kappa was taken, a guard. Maybe you would have wanted to take a chance at him, but apparently the Vikings weren't too excited about Alex Kappa. Uh, Kappa. The player taken before the Vikings pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Ronnie Harrison, safety, extremely good safety out of Alabama. That might have been the pick, and because the trade happened immediately after Ronnie Harrison was taken. 
that might be why the Vikings traded out of the uh, third round. And I was devastated. Not not devastated about the trade because it's like, okay, we're taking seconds, so they must have an opinion on somebody. But I was devastated, generally speaking. No offensive line help in the third round. Um, not too surprising, but it's just, it is what it is. You wanted to get more offensive linemen, but maybe, again, Harrison would have been nice too, Ronnie Harrison. But then it's like, okay, you still have some interesting players available. And Naheem Hines ended up going right away in the fourth round, a couple of picks after the Vikings. So that was disappointing a little bit. Uh, Dave Hickey's linebacker, Josie Jewell, went to the Denver Broncos. So good luck there at the end of the day. Um, but you end up sitting there kind of thinking, okay, Crosby's still available. Tyler Crosby out of <laughs> out of Baylor. That would be great. Uh, Oregon, pardon me, out of Oregon <laughs> because the colors there available. You're excited about that, so maybe we could still get Crosby, but I guess the Vikings weren't too high on him. They take a chance on Jalen Holmes, who didn't have the greatest numbers and all that. He's a bit raw as well out of Ohio State defensive end. At first, I was like, this is bleeping frustrating. We never take anybody. Uh, of course, Hurst was also still available, but team's very concerned about his heart, uh, heart condition, Braden Hurst out of Michigan. He ended up going much later in the fifth round. Uh, but again, it's like Jalen Holmes and it's like, okay, I'm frustrated at first, but then it's like, yeah, it's Mike Zimmer. And Mike, whenever Mike Zimmer takes defensive linemen in the middle rounds, they tend to work out like Daniel Hunter. And years ago, Everson Griffin was taken with the previous regimes. Uh, that was during, that was during the Gosh, that was all the way back, I think, Childress, 2010. Yes, yeah, so it's been a while, obviously, with Everson Griffin, the Childress, but Spielman was already one of the main guys there, vice president of football operations. Um, Everson Griffin took forever to develop, but eventually he became the star that he was going to be It's pretty much as soon as Mr. Uh, Zimmer took over. So you like the chances here of Jalen Holmes being a very successful defensive end at bare minimum. The depth on the defensive line is much better. And, okay, I believe in trenches. I believe in trenches. You know, I love... Exciting offenses. I love exciting quarterbacks, this and that. Running backs. I love everything. I like cornerbacks that can get interceptions, but also can knock the ball away and all that. And it's exciting. I like safeties. I like this and that. But the game is one in the trenches. Defensive line, offensive line. And when you get a Jalen Holmes who can help on the defensive line, I started feeling a little bit better, even though frustration was kind of mounting again with the offensive line not getting shored up as far as I'm concerned. Though Brian O'Neill does have a future in this league. But is his future now... I don't know. It's on him, I guess. But again, that's the Vikings' fourth-round pick with a trade with Tampa. The 30th pick then goes to Tampa. Actually, it wound up with the Philadelphia Eagles somehow. So, because trades continue to happen one after another. Um, Vikings end up trading up again in that fourth round. <laughs> trading down from the third and high in the fourth with Tampa. So that's where things went there. Fifth round, you continue to mess around. <sighs> Sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And the Vikings suddenly trade up. And you take Kyler Konkin out of Central Michigan. Central Michigan. You don't really hear about them very much. But there's the Vikings tight end, I guess, to help out uh, Mr. Kyle Rudolph. Tyler Konkin is known more as a blocking tight end. But he has skills. He has skills offensively. He has good enough hands to be a successful receiver in the NFL. Mike Tice would be smiling with number 83 there. <laughs> um... But it's like you just sit and enjoy. Uh, it was a good... Uh, actually, Steve Jordan would be smiling. <laughs> Mike Tice and Steve Jordan. They both wore number 83 at times. But yeah, Steve Jordan, obviously, very successful career for the Vikings at tight end. He was the leading receiver of all time for the Vikings, which showed that we struggled at receiver back in the 70s. Uh, Sammy White was good, but he didn't stay too long. Same with Ahmad Rashad with injuries and such. Uh, but Tyler Conkin, 
this can help the offensive line a little bit with his blocking ability. And of course, he can be an extra option. So there you go, extra option receiving. He had 500 yards in 2016, 560 yards and six touchdowns for Central Michigan. And then 28 catches versus the 42 in 2016, 28 last year, 2017, 406 yards and five touchdowns. So solid, solid receiver for Central Michigan. Again, the competition not as good there as in other conferences, but still you can see the soft hands. He's not super athletic, but he's strong and physical. 240, 6'4", of course, you're going to get every tight end is tall in the NFL. That's like, duh. Um, But Tyler Conkin has a future in the league, I think. He's not going to get cut like Bucky Hodges last year when he thought he was going to be a legend. He, he wanted to be a legend. Well, he's a legend, all right, in terms of nothing. But uh, that's kind of all she wrote there. Taylor Conkin, again, known more as a blocking tight end, so that will help with the offensive line a bit. But at the same time, again, he can catch. He can be if he can bring that ability. And, of course, he joins uh, David Morgan as well for that tight end core. you got three solid tight ends now, at the very least. Morgan does have... The ability to catch as well. He can. He, he's more of a blocking tight end, but he can catch. The ability was seen last year when Kyle Rudolph wasn't as available with the ankle injuries and such. In fact, he wasn't available at all in some games. Um, but now you got three tight ends and possible insurance if Kyle Rudolph wants too much money, this and that, or if he's unwilling to restructure his contract when the Vikings need to start signing some of these other players. But wait, the Vikings trade up with the New York Jets, and we wind up with Daniel Carlson. So the Vikings back into the... Uh, Back into the fifth round again, we make another trade. We wind up with Daniel Carlson. Pretty exciting there out of Auburn. Number one rated kicker in the draft. So this is the good part again. Real quick, though, before I say anything else, which is kind of funny, uh, a, a local reporter called up Kai Forbath and basically was like, how did you feel about the selection of Daniel Carlson by the Minnesota Vikings? And he was promptly hung up on. So, yeah, I can't imagine, you know, Kai Forbath is feeling good right now, and I do feel bad for him at the end of the day. But one pretty pretty telling statistic for Daniel Carlson versus Kai Forbath here. Daniel Carlson missed no, and I mean no, extra points in college. He came out of Auburn, of course. Zero extra points missed for Daniel Carlson. About 200 attempts there total. 57 to 57 in 2014, 40 to 40 in 2015, 44 44 in 2016, and 54 54 last year for Auburn. Um, he's four of seven from 50 plus last year, uh, and and his junior year was the better year at the end of the day. Four of seven there, but seven of seven from 40 and 49, 10 of 11 from 30 and 39. And of course, well, you don't want to miss too many of those. Um, Mr. Carlson's numbers not as good last year as they were the year before in his junior year. Uh, higher percentage, 87% overall in his junior year for Auburn in the uh, after 28 attempts there. Um, 75% total for Carlson, but still 4 of 7 from 50 plus. So that's good, depending on how long they were. 54-yard long. His 56-yarder was made in his sophomore year for Auburn. So nice future, hopefully, for Daniel Carlson. And obviously, he's the kicker. He is the kicker. He's a very large guy, too. Six foot four, two twenty three. So, yeah, um, definitely a big, booming kick. Uh, the touchbacks, he got a ton of those. In fact, about, <laughs> about two-thirds of his kickoffs were touchbacks throughout his college career. So that's extremely exciting as well. So you're going to get a nice, long, powerful kick. Uh, he even attempted 41 punts in uh, 2014, an average of about 42, which is solid. A 62-yard long during the course of his time punting in his freshman year for Auburn. So he did both duties. 
interesting. Um, interesting. Seventy-five percent in his freshman year yeah, with the field goals. It's so he must not have been the main kicker at the beginning, but he became the main kicker as time went on, and he made all fifty-seven of his extra point attempts in his freshman year. So interesting stuff. Um, crazy to think he did both kicking duties though in his freshman year. <laughs> but Daniel Carlson again, nice big booming leg, capable of being a punter, which is nice. So a little Mitch Berger strength there, of course, with the touchbacks as Berger was a kickoff specialist along with the punting duties for the Vikings for many years. A lot of people called him the snicker kicker because he would always enjoy a nice nice bite of a snicker bar after his punts. And then Snickers was unwilling to uh, sponsor him. So that was the end of that, unfortunately. I don't know what the deal was of that, but, uh, well, that's how it goes. Uh, Daniel Carlson could be our new snicker kicker, I guess, even though he probably won't bite out of the snicker bar too much. Unless maybe he does. That's his business, but he won't make it as public, I suppose, as Mr. Mitch Berger did back in the day. Cool guy, by the way. That guy's entertaining. He was kind of a clown when he was here, but years later, he got more and more cool, I would have to say, uh, after his football career was over. Uh, interesting pick, of course. Exciting in terms of, well, special teams are in good hands uh, at this time, hopefully. Uh, last time the Vikings took a kicker in the draft, his name was Blair Walsh. And his rookie year was phenomenal. He was making everything from everywhere. Strength, power, and accuracy. And then the next year he wasn't as good. And the next year he was worse. And the next year he was even worse. And then it got to a point, get him the hell out of here. We're going to lose every game he ever plays because he's going to miss everything. He would. He started off missing extra points, which is weird. Like, why is he missing extra points all the time? And then he started missing everything. And that was Mitch, uh, Mitch Berger. That was uh, Blair Walsh. Daniel Carlson, we'll see. We'll see, but hopefully this one works out, and he's our long-term kicker. He's our next Ryan Longwell, and he'll be here for many years, as Ryan Longwell was with the Packers before he even came to Minnesota. Hopefully he can be our Packers version of Ryan Longwell. He was good here, but he was even better with Green Bay, I thought. Uh, I was very excited about the, the signing of Ryan Longwell at the time, even though, again, it's a kicker. It's not like, the it's not like oh my God, we got a kicker. Oh, franchise is set. But... What do you need to do in big playoff games, Super Bowls, this and that, big regular season games that you need to win, you know, in order to stay on top of your division or, well, overtake the division leader, big field goals on the road, maybe in the, on a 52-yard attempt, you're trailing by two points, or it's an overtime game or whatever the hell, or it's like a, like a walk-off possibility here with three seconds remaining, 52 yards into the wind, God forbid, and then you got this nice big booming kick and it's going through. Uh, Kai Forbath, you have very, very little confidence in that situation. A 52-yarder outside in, in uh, December, November, the gales of November. Daniel Carlson, hopefully he can be that guy for the Minnesota Vikings long-term. And right now, he's going to have to be. <laughs> the K-ball is yours, buddy. The K-ball, as they call it. The kicking ball is yours, Daniel Carlson. Welcome to the Minnesota Vikings. Nice pick. Nice move. Interesting. And I completely understand because I remember last year everybody was freaking out. We have this awesome team, the historically good defense, uh, a quarterback and this and that who, who's got guts and he's, he's got the job. He's getting the job done. Great receivers, this and that, an offensive line that's doing their job in a good way. But the damn kicker can't make from 39 yards indoors. Come on, man. Okay, so hopefully this will happen. Daniel Carlson will be kicking indoors most of the time because he's obviously... The home team is indoors, so we'll just have to wait and see how things go. The Minnesota Vikings finally took another offensive lineman in the sixth round, 39th pick in the sixth round, Colby Gossett, who apparently is a big mamma jamma and a very large, powerful guy. 
pretty pretty tall for a guard too. Six foot five, three hundred and eleven, and he is a classic old school throwback guard who plays like uh, Paul Bunyan. So that's good. He's got the physical strength and the capabilities, and there you go. He does. He's not necessarily worried about. Uh, well, he's athletic enough to be in the NFL. But again, he's more of the classic old school, just get the job done, grind it out, beating potatoes, uh, interior lineman, and I'm happy to have him. And I hope he makes it. I hope he makes it. I hope he's a, with the Vikings for many years as a starter. That could happen. That could happen. But of course, he is more of a project than anything else. Uh, the bottom line from Lance Zierlin is <clears throat> Gossett had trouble sustaining blocks against talented competition. So there you go from Georgia and is unlikely to be ready to face off against NFL competitors. Gossett's NFL ready frame will appeal. Yeah, see, he's NFL ready. That's the thing. Will appeal to power teams who may look to stash him on the practice squad early on while they work on his technique to unleash more power at the point of attack. So that's the thing with Gossett. He is Gossett. He is more of a project, but he does have the NFL ready body. So that's the hope there. Again, the technique needs to improve a bit, unfortunately, but that's why he went in the sixth round and like 900th lineman taken. But at least you got some physical power there coming in. And the final pick in the sixth round. We got, uh, this is an interesting name, Adi Aruna, Adi Aruna out of Tulane. Appalachian State, by the way, is where Kobe Gossett came from. I love Appalachian State, the Appalachian Mountains and the Smoky Mountains out of Tennessee there. <laughs> Appalachian. I always call it Appalachian, but it is Appalachian from somebody from there. Uh, I called into KFN many years ago and said it's Appalachian. So that's what it is. Adi Aruna out of Tulane. Well, He's got, well, again, he's one of those we'll see what happens type of guys. Defensive end, final pick of the sixth round. Who knows? Uh, he'll be a depth guy at best at, at the beginning. Um, probably get minimal snaps starting out. Hopefully he makes the team this and that for his uh, for his hope. And, of course, I'm sure he'll start off at special teams a bit too, defensive line on the special teams. That's how you got to get started in the later rounds, and that's always how it is. Um, he had three sacks in the 12 games he played for Tulane as a, in his senior season. Tackles for loss, this and that. Three tackles for loss last season, total yards of 24. And, of course, those are more than likely all the sacks. So he didn't have any tackles for loss on the running backs. He broke up a couple passes, a few quarterback hurries, this and that. No fumbles forced during his time in Tulane in his senior year anyway. So, again, a project, and hopefully things will continue to develop for him. He is out of Nigeria, out of Akure, Nigeria. So that explains the interesting name there. Ed Aruna. So good luck to Ed Aruna, the Minnesota Vikings, hopefully. It'll work out nicely for him. The final pick in the draft for the Minnesota Vikings went 7th in the 7th round. Devante Downs, linebacker out of California. California Golden Bears. He only played 7 games in his senior season. So injuries, again, that's what kind of hurt him a bit, unfortunately. Uh, much better in his uh, junior year because of, he wasn't hurt. He played 12 full games. He had 40 solo tax, uh, tackles, 84 total tackles as a linebacker for the Golden Bears back in his junior year. Last year, only seven games, but 65 total tackles. So a pretty good senior year in limited action, this and that, because of the, again, he missed five games. Not bad, 65 total tackles for him. Um, so we'll see what happens again. We all know, I mean, <laughs> he's the only linebacker taken by Minnesota. And where do late round linebackers go? To the practice squad, or not to the practice squad necessarily. He That might be where he'll go, but special teams early on, particularly in the uh, in the preseason, it'll be 
special teams and of course again you know later stages of the preseason games Devontae Downs I think he's got a chance obviously he could have went higher if not for the injuries as this always happens in the draft where guys slip way down sometimes they make it and sometimes they don't again it's special teams and possibly practice squad for Devontae Downs might be the same case for some of the other picks as well like uh, Ed Aruna We'll see what happens there. I don't want to take the risk of putting Colby Gossett on the practice squad, but depending on the depth of the team and who the Minnesota Vikings sign, as there's talk that the Vikings are still looking at other linemen in free agency to help yeah, to help out shore up things a bit, uh, build some depth on the offensive line. Again, as the Vikings did lose uh, Jeremiah Searles in the offseason. And, of course, TJ Clemming's long gone as well. Um, so, not that we miss that guy very much. God, God bless him, though. I hope he... I hope he comes around and gets his career back in order. Fourth-round pick for Minnesota a couple of years ago. Uh, Colby Gossett, though, again, hopefully, hopefully he can develop some of that technique, and we'll see what happens there. So that's the Minnesota Vikings draft. <sighs> Immediate help, Daniel Carlson and Mike Hughes on a special teams. So special teams will be better. Yes, uh, depth from Mr. Holmes, hopefully, from Jalen Holmes out of Ohio State. Depth defensive lineman. Again, he'll probably see special teams action as well, I'm sure, more than likely, to get things going for his career, as that's how it goes. In fact, some of the starters play on special teams at defensive line, but we'll see what happens. He's going to have to earn it, of course, just like everybody else. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think it could be a pretty good pick for Minnesota, even though I'm frustrated the way things went with all the offensive linemen falling like flies. Oh, frustrating. So frustrating. But such is the draft. You know, so many other years, a guy like... James Daniels just might have been there where you could trade up in the third round and nail him with like the second or third pick in the third round. <laughs> ah, James Daniels, I wish you were a Minnesota Viking. Maybe, and maybe you just sit there in the second round. You don't even have to wait for the third. 62nd, James Daniels, welcome to Minnesota. But, um, well, Brian O'Neill might be a better player long-term. So, okay, we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. And hopefully he is. But, boy, coming to the draft, he wasn't ranked that high. So, we'll see. It's, it's all about raw talent now for Brian O'Neill. So with that said, let's wrap up this segment. It's all a wait-and-see type of situation. I can't get too mad yet. Hopefully the Minnesota Vikings did take the right players here. No draft is perfect, obviously. Uh, but I could ramble on and on and on and on about the offensive line. We'll just have to wait and see how things go. It, it, all's well that ends well, I suppose. Now we'll get to you guys in the fan interaction segment right after this. We are back here on Purple Mafia, second segment, time for some fan interaction, but very, very briefly since the last show, there were a couple transactions I better mention, and then of course, uh, a suspension, oh goody, but uh, then we'll jump right into fan interaction, we'll talk about at least one of those uh, uh, contracts signed by a very important player, first one was Nick Eason, who's center, and of course left guard, re-signed uh, one-year tender through 2018, so nice to have Nick Eason back, of course, uh, he was tendered, and of course, hopefully a speedy recovery with that ankle injury, I hope the bone is mended by now, I would think so, yeah, it's mended, but of course, I'm sure it's still sore, Eric Hendricks was signed to a five-year extension through 2023, so that's awesome, we'll talk about that in the fan interaction here very briefly, and Kentville Brothers on 420, whoa, man, 420, baby, was assigned, or excuse me, was suspended for four games due to NFL policy on performance-enhancing drugs. So Kentrell Brothers, an important uh, minimum special teams and depth linebacker that we could use, has been suspended for four games. So that's fantastic. 
So now we will make rapid progress over to the Twitter account, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. I tweeted out, okay, nothing since the last show, anyway. I thought some guys retweeted. I think they did, and I apologize that I haven't gotten to that. I'll check that in a second. But uh, Jason, I, I sent out a tweet saying, hey, what are your guys' thoughts of the draft? Figured might as well get some people on Twitter here. Jason at Mad City Viking says, super meh, basically, with a meme there. It's Superman with a look in his face like, okay. So super meh, that's his feeling on the draft, and I don't blame him there. Stephen A. Smith, of course, <clears throat> local guy here, uh, says, didn't feel good at first, but I'm starting to come around. Was hoping for a starting type of tight end that could have replaced Rudolph in 2019. That would have saved up some big-time money, and maybe, hopefully, that'll be the guy, uh, Tyler Conkin, long-term. I'm not sure exactly, though, if that's the case. Uh, Stephen A. Smith he is, yep, I thought he was from locally. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe not, um, but we'll get back to that in a little bit. And SB at Vikings888 says, I would like a redo. And I was like thinking, yeah, similar thoughts there. Stephen A. Smith, I thought, huh, well, I guess that's it. I thought there was more responses in there, so apologize for that. It must have been the likes and all that. That's what it was. That's what got me confused, a teeny tiny bit. I know Vince Germano retweeted the show at some point and some others out there. I think Tanae Brown. Yep, I want to thank you guys. There they are. Uh, Tanae Brown, Vince Germano, and James Beck. Thank you very much for retweeting the draft preview show. Of course, this is the draft review show. As goofy as I can get here, so apologize for that. Having to move around and navigate through Twitter can be a headache sometimes, but, well, welcome to reality there, right? Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia show. But first... We, before we go there, I will give a shout-out to MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven, got to give them a shout-out as they are kind enough to allow me to uh, post links to Purple Mafia on their page. Thanks again, MN Vikings and Trevor Wickerin, the creator of that page, for allowing me to post on there. Of course, Vikings news, uh, in-game threads and draft threads and this and that. And also a shout-out to the Purple People Press Box also. Uh, Purple Press Box, pardon me, from uh, Sebastian Barton, also has a Facebook page. They're going to give that a shout-out. I encourage you to join that, as many of you have during the course of time. So thanks again for that. <clears throat> Lots of news has kind of come and gone since the last show. As a couple of intriguing thoughts and, of course, the signings and such. The most recent show, again, that was on April 10th. That isn't even that long ago. And I didn't think it was. It was about 20 days. That's a little while. So, like, about three weeks ago. But it is what it is. It's the off-season. Mark Carlson has a picture of his iPhone there showing that, yep, he's got the podcast running there. Thank you so much, Mark Carlson. Out of Iowa says, uh, doesn't matter where I am, Joey keeps me up to date. Skull from the Dominican Republic. How cool is that? Thank you for uh, taking the time to listen to that show, even on your vacation. That is awesome. Thank you, Mark. That is really cool. Gerald Swing out of Nebraska says, great show and insight into the draft. I also, I always get excited to see what younger guys they're going to bring in. My pipe cream is Quinton Nelson from Notre Dame. That would have been awesome. Uh, pretty sure he'll be the first offensive line off the board, but maybe Spielman can pull off some miracle trade, so who knows. I like Dave Hickey's guy out of Iowa. That was Daniels, of course, <clears throat> James Daniels, and I think that combine injury to Billy Price was a fluke. And apparently Cincinnati did as well, by the way, as I'm jumping in. He went like 23rd, didn't he? Oh, and Frank bleeping right now. He, he would have been the pick. And freaking Detroit, 20th overall. Are you kidding? Ah, oh, that sucks so hard for us. Um, think he could be a sleeper pick. That's Billy Price in terms of the injury. But unfortunately, he got a team's just... Some years, guys like that slip, and other years, they don't. And this year, they didn't. And boy, are we lucky for that. Not. Uh, 
has great size and range and love the fact he came out of the, the Ohio State program. That seems to translate into solid NFL players, just like our pick last year in Pat Elfline. And, yep, well, we took uh, Jalen Holmes out of the Ohio State. Um, he says, not a huge fan of bringing in Will Hernandez. Thinks he's going to think he's going to be slow to translate to the NFL. I think he would get worked pretty hard going against our D-line in camp. Who knows, but will be fun to watch. And, yep, Will Hernandez to the New York Giants. And, yes, he's an in-zone in uh, blocker more than anything else. And, well, he's going to help the the New York Giants in that category. So it's going to be interesting. As John D. Filippo is going to look more for that out-zone blocking scheme. Uh, interesting thoughts uh, looking at that and studying it and learning more about it during the course of time as well to see which type of linebackers or offensive linemen fit our schemes and such. And, well, I think O'Neal is more of an out-zone blocker. So that's good. That's why the Vikings were able to take him there where they did. Um, I post, I shared the uh, Epic Minneapolis Miracle Sideline Cam video up for a Webby Award. That was a really cool uh, video. As, of course, you know, there's no announce or anything. You're literally on the field. I've actually stood in that area in the Metrodome, that exact spot, if I'm thinking right. Yes, that exact area in the Metrodome before. I've been on field once years ago when the Tennessee Titans were in town. And um, uh, Dennis Green was still the coach. Mike Tice was the offensive line coach. And he nodded at my uncle. Uh, <laughs> some of you out there that are listening may know him, Willie Willer, Willie Willard, the Purple Colonel. Um, yeah, back then, yeah, he had a on-field pass. Uh, he knew Red McCombs a little bit there. He got to meet Red McCombs. Willie Willard, he gets around, boy, and he knows a lot of people. Um, <laughs> he's got that. He's got a nice Vikings uh, classic old-school uh, motorhome where he put a lot of Vikings. Uh, graphics on there, painted it up, designed it really nice, really cool. Uh, even has 84 Moss on it, because that was back when Moss was here and all that. The first go-round, of course, second go-round, much shorter, unfortunately. Um, Willie Willard, he's been a Vikings fan since, you know, Fran Tarkington, Bud Grant, all that, the glory years of the Super Bowl, so I would be so happy for him when this team wins the Super Bowl. It's guys like Willie Willard that have stuck with this team and seen everything. They saw everything. Super Bowls. They saw Super Bowls getting lost and a team, you know, that should have won the first one that we went to. And then you get a team in 2000, 2000, my ass, what am I talking about? 1976, of course, January 77, marching down the field against the Oakland Raiders, fumbling at the bleeping goal line. Yeah, kind of similar to how the Vikings marched down the field and scored a touchdown against the Eagles. And then immediately after that, the game changed so dramatically and it was just heartbreaking for us. Um, and that was kind of what it was like. Uh, the game seesawed in the very wrong direction very quickly. So to see all that type of stuff, a Super Bowl championship, for those of you that saw the Super Bowl, see, I mean, I've seen tons of NFC championship games. I've seen playoff games. I've seen heartbreak. I've seen teams that were so much better than they finished. And then, you know, like the 94 Vikings, I thought that team was a possible Super Bowl team. You know, Terry Allen's back. You got the number one defense in the football. You have a great defensive cup, couple of defensive tackles on the inside. And John Randall, Henry Thomas, and then, you know, you have, you have the good linebackers, Jack Del Rio, yeah, great secondary and all that, Todd Scott, guys like that. Um, and, 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 and you finish 10 and 6, 10 and bleeping 6, and get throttled by Steve, who the hell is that, Wallace and the Chicago Bears in the first round. It's stuff like that. That's when I first started feeling the pain and the disappointment. Of course, 92, you could even say, way, way back in the day, 92. I mean, you know. 11 and 5 team and you get and you get marched off the field by the Washington Redskins. Okay, they're the defending champions, but they were 9 and 7. They weren't that good. This was our home turf and they marched down the field on us the whole game and it was absolute straight up horse shit. It it was. So and again, I'm not 
criticize, I'm not bashing the team. I'm just saying you've been through all this. So again, winning a Super Bowl will mean oh so much. And boy, just looking at that image triggered all those memories. That's what kind of person I am. I'm a little weird, aren't I? I mean, I just little things can trigger everything because I don't know, photographic memory, whatever the hell it is, but it just gets it all going. Um, and I remember being at that game very well. And the Vikings did win that game despite that awful season in 2001 that all of us wanted Denny Green fired. And, of course, you had that play when I want to play. And Chris Carter was, uh, you know, what he was and this and that. Uh, Gerald String says never gets old. And I agree, Gerald. And Gerald String's a guy who's seen Super Bowls. I'm pretty sure Mark Carlson's seen Super Bowls too. So those, those are the guys. My heart goes out to you when this team doesn't win. And my heart will go even stronger to you when they do win. And I want every one of you guys that saw those Super Bowls and experienced maybe the early NFC championships back in the in the early 80s and late 70s where the Vikings didn't win those against the Eagles. <clears throat> yeah, that uh, you got to, uh, you know, pour out that emotion, man. If, this, if and when this team does win the Super Bowl, you need to send in an audio submission, which gives you more time to do it rather than a three-minute call, and just pour out that emotion. So, again, foreshadowing a little bit for this team's uh, impending Super Bowl championship, right? Vikings sign linebacker, and probably the best linebacker on the team in terms of tackles at very minimum. <laughs> Eric Kendricks to a five-year, $50 million extension with $25 million guaranteed, and that generated a lot of excitement. Only a couple comments, but a lot of guys very excited. Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota, a future Hall of Fame Purple Mafia member says, awesome, need to sign Barr next, and that is on the table, of course. Uh, the Vikings did not bring in a big-name linebacker out of the draft, and that means Anthony Barr is a long-term solution at linebacker, and I agree. Um, I don't love Anthony Barr. I kind of like Eric Kendricks a little more, if you probably hadn't noticed the way I talk about him on this show versus Anthony Barr. I mean, I gush about Kendricks all the time, and I am impressed with Anthony Barr on occasion. Like, when he's on the top of his game, he's a superstar, but he's not always on the top of his game. So now Rodney Adams, fifth-round pick from the Minnesota Vikings last year out of University of South Florida. I love the colors and the and the of those uniforms. You know, you know. There's your kickoff returner. We address special teams. We're ready to roll. This guy looks like a stud special teams returner. And then you even also bring in a Coley as well, Stacy Coley, who's got that straight line speed. Well, he's still on the team, barely hanging by a thread. But what do you expect from a seventh-round pick? But on occasion, those guys make it and they end up being valuable. Rodney Adams, though, wound up with the Colts last year. The, the Vikings let him go. They, the Colts picked him up. The Vikings tried to send him to the practice squad, and they just were not impressed with him at all. The Colts picked him up. And now Rodney Adams, after one season of watching other guys play, retires from football. Um, I guess he's like, screw this, I can't play. And that's about it. So he's moving on to other endeavors, whatever those may be. Um, God bless you, uh, Rodney Adams. Fifth-round pick from 2017 already retiring. Uh, not due to injury, but I guess he either thought, like, this isn't going to happen and I don't want to deal with it anymore. Uh, other interesting offers out there, I guess. I, I don't know, um, but it is what it is. Vikings draft thread, feel free to go ahead and comment. So now this will be a little bit on the busy side. I'm probably not going to read the whole thing, but uh, here and there. Oh, I thought I had, yeah. I hate how it starts at the bottom. Um, yep, there we go. Sebastian, it was literally right then. What? Uh, start. That was, of course, Baker Mayfield being taken instead of, uh, like, Rosen or something. 
Rosenberg or Sam Darnold, which probably would have been a good pick for Cleveland. Uh, May Mayfield, definitely a shocking pick. And I don't know, it's Cleveland, so <laughs> they took a couple of, uh, they, they reached a bit on both of those picks, which, again, that's Cleveland for you. I mean, I don't know, Ho hopefully. But Mayfield's, well, I don't think he's another ponder. So, but then again, then it's not saying much, is it? Mark Carlson says, Mark has finally tuned in tonight, round one, pick seven, and thinking about our division rivals, who they will take as well as the first selection of our purple team. I think the Vikings, I think the NFC North did extremely well in the draft. I think the Vikings might have had the weakest draft class. Now, of course, we picked later than everybody else, but these were some pretty nice, maybe just lucky bounces, per se, in the draft. But lucky bounce or not, Green Bay got way better in their secondary. Uh, Chicago shored up the offensive line, and they got a nice wide receiver. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick. Uh, and, of course, Detroit had multiple offensive linemen as well. I was going to pull that up, and I'm going to hear really quick. So hopefully I don't prolong things too much here. I'm going to get to Eric Mustard first as I let this kind of develop. Well, Eric Mustard says, with as many quarterbacks that have gone in the first round so far, I would not be surprised if the reporters were right and the Vikings trade out of the pick for a couple of alignment in the second round and later rounds. <sighs> yeah, maybe we should have traded down and picked up Daniels and somebody else, like right there, like Connor Williams, somebody like that, you know really, you know, get a couple of multiple second rounders, but I don't know, or just higher in the second round. Uh, but it just didn't go that way. So uh, I'm frustrated a little bit. Detroit, uh, they took, yep, Frank Ragnow, Karen Johnson, and there's Tyrell Crosby, the other guy I kind of wanted. He slipped to the fifth round, 16th overall. So two solid picks there, especially Frank Ragnow. He's going to really shore things up. Let's look at the Bears right away. Rakan Smith, like I mentioned. James Daniels, Anthony Miller, an amazing second round for the Bears. And, of course, the Green Bay Slackers were not slacking around, at least in the first two rounds. J.R. Alexander and Josh Jackson. That can pretty much make your draft. I mean, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Two elite cornerbacks taken. Of course, we got one of the top three in there. Is he second? Is he third? Whatever it is, Mike Hughes. But Jerry Alexander and Josh Jackson. A lot of people were talking about Jerry Alexander possibly being that guy at 30 if he slipped that far and no other cornerbacks were taken. But, well, it is what it is. Green Bay, a lot of people thought Josh Jackson was probably better than Mike Hughes. And, well, maybe he doesn't have the versatility with the special teams that Mike Hughes has. But, well, yeah. Well, maybe that's where you could have taken Naheem Hines later instead of some of the, I, I don't even know, but that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, I was pissed off that a lot of uh, offensive linemen were gone and Lamar Jackson never got taken. Sebastian says, reminds you of Teddy Bridgewater at all? Quarterback out of Louisville, semi-mobile, and dropping like a stack of rocks in the draft, and that's exactly what happened, and Mr. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Lamar Jackson did the exact same thing. He went to the 32nd pick, fell all the way down to the last pick in the draft, and a purple team traded up for him. That passed on him a pick earlier, or so a couple picks earlier, and that purple team took him. That was the Minnesota Vikings at the time that took uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Now another purple team, the Baltimore Ravens, who also have some gold in their uniform, but not as much as us, took Lamar Jackson. So funny, a purple team traded up to take a Louisville Cardinal, who at times could have been looked on as a number one overall pick in the draft. Roger Inbudin was very disappointed to see Isaiah Wynn gone, and me too. Very disappointed. He went to the uh, Patriots. Good pick there. <clears throat> Sebastian was not super high on Penny. That was the running back. And it was a big surprise. And that's a good take by Sebastian. Pardon me for not clicking like there. Um, the talk is with Seattle, again, no offensive line. So why are you taking a running back there? So <laughs> maybe they should have taken James Daniels. And they didn't. Uh, Penny's got some talent. But again, yeah, it was a bit of a reach. So I, I hear you there. 
Um, so who knows what's going to happen to Seattle? I was I heard a lot of good things about Penny, but uh, maybe just the way that's just maybe that wasn't the best pick there for Seattle, and I I hope it wasn't per se because I don't want Seattle to succeed. Um, <clears throat> Dave Vicky wanted the Vikings to get Josh Jackson, and Sebastian did as well. The Vikings end up taking the other cornerback, Mike Hughes, instead of Josh Jackson, so all right. Uh, Eric Mustard says, Lord, help me if we don't pick up an O-lineman in the second round, though. We need to protect our quarterback investment. We did get a guy, but we'll see what happens. Justin Mayer-Henry out of, and Eric Mustard is out of South Dakota. Dave Vicky out of Iowa, which I mentioned. Sebastian Pardon in the Twin Cities now locally. Um, Josh Mayer Henry out of Colorado. Justin Mayer Henry first says, love how the guy we pick, <laughs> they just talked about his criminal history, LOL. Dave Vicky says, what the bleep? No, he's a problem child too. Josh, Josh Mayer Henry says, trust in Zim. He must see something in him that he couldn't pass up. And that's the hope. That is the hope right there. Yep. Sebastian thought it was amazing too. How I was saying literally how hilarious that is, how Jackson wound up exactly where Teddy Bridgewater did a few years ago, where both of them were possible number one overall picks at one point, ended up going to 32 and picked up by a purple team. Crazy. Gerald String, as there was only two purple teams in the NFL, Gerald String says, didn't see that coming. That being Mike Hughes, of course. Uh, should have known the Zim Reaper would have went D. To, ta- to Dave Hickey's point, I am just guessing there are some character... Uh, expectations communicated before they pulled the trigger on the deal. I hope so. Mark Carlson says, well, what next? Dave Vicky says, I'm just surprised. They talk highly about his football skills. They say he's right there with Denzel Ward. Wow, which went fourth overall. Who? Uh, and he has return skills too, but they always talk about Spielman wanting high character guys, but it worked out well with Delvin Cook last year. That's the hope. And I have the utmost respect for Zimmer. Yes, me too, my friend. Uh, Gerald String says, geez, I hope O-line I was saying how it's an exciting pick, but I'm equally annoyed that once again we have not focused on the offensive line. Hopefully one of those guys drops where we are at 62 in the second round. And Well, one guy did, but yeah, he was the 13th rated tackle in the draft at the time because of, because he's so raw, but hopefully he'll be a lot higher rated, rated in a couple of years when you compare the others in about two, three years from now. Josh Mayer Henry says, I think the big old line guys they wanted were gone. Yeah, and they felt the guys they want can they can get in the, the other rounds sometimes you have to take the best available regardless of need i like that they are not reaching for guys they have drafted rather rather than uh the last few years yes um yeah I, i'm upset that daniels wasn't taken but i guess they didn't see him as good as uh, mike hughes at the end of the day for the minnesota vikings future long term Still wish the Vikings traded up to get him, but I, I don't know. Maybe you just can't. They probably tried to trade at times and couldn't get a deal because teams get demanding and such. When, when they know you're, yeah, they know you're after something, and they're like, "Oh, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? You want to give us three, three picks? You want to give us a sec, uh, your second rounder this year and next year for him? Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that." So that's part of the game there. Unfortunately, Dave Hickey says I'm an Iowa homer too. So. With two supposed first-round guys sitting there, that's upsetting. I, I, I know. I wanted Daniels. I wanted Daniels, too, at that pick. I actually, uh, um, Brent Jacobson actually texted me right before the pick, and he said, who, who, who do you think the Vikings are going to take? And I said, I said, Daniels. I said, the Vikings are going to take Daniels because, you know, he's still there, and he's actually pretty good, and I liked what I saw out of him. But they did. So, And I also liked what I saw out of Mike Hughes. 
um, and the versatility and such. So there it is. Uh, oh, here we go. The Vikings have exercised the fifth-year option of Trey Wayne. So that literally just broke. Literally. Just now, it flashed before my eyes. The, literally. Like, wow. It's 11.07 right now, a.m., uh, they exercised the fifth-year option on Trey Waynes. He had two interceptions and 72 tackles in 2017. So, okay. And that's what we figured would happen, but there. There's your news. <laughs> Just passing it on, right? Okay. That was cool. Let's continue. Gerald Strings says, okay, this is off the wall and probably not relevant, but Vikings used to be about the worst team in the NFL for player arrests. Yep. I looked at that since Zimmer has been coach, and there has been one, which is among the lowest, and they cut the guy immediately. Just saying, think there is a higher expectation when you get drafted and come to our team. Yep, yep, so that's the hope here. Uh, Josh Mayer Henry jumps in and says, Zim has made the team 100 times better than before he got here. That's for sure. That's 3-13. and 13. Oh, no! Oh, don't you just... Okay, I think I just continued where I left off. Yep, that was lucky. Oh, that was really lucky. Uh, Gerald Swing says, here's the stat, LOL. The player's name was Isam Fasnin. Yep, I kind of remember that a little bit, or something like that. I think he got cut like the next day. So, interesting stuff there. Interesting graphic put up there by uh, Mr. Gerald String. <sighs> Sebastian Barton also has something posted here. It is from Adam Patrick. Some notes on the Vikings cornerback Mike Hughes. Not beaten for a pass longer than 21 yards in 2017. Wow. Did not allow a touchdown in 2017. Allowed an NFL passer rating of 35.5. Surrendered only 273 yards in coverage. 31.9. Yep, I remember reading that just a minute ago. A uh, minute, like an hour ago now. <laughs> Kick return. And 16.6 per punt. That's extremely good for punting because there's not much space in the, in the punt returns. I mean, Jamarcus Cyril, <laughs> Cyril, I cannot get this right. <laughs> Mr. Cyril's there. Um, Cheryl's uh, has a tough time out there. So, yeah, it's been a... Uh, I just tried to call him Jamarcus Sherrills. It's Marcus Sherrills. And it's like, I know that, but all these names and, okay. Marcus Sherrills, of course. He, he, you know, he, it was like fair catch Sherrills, basically. So that's insane numbers and awesome. Um, loved, love what I see there with the punt returning, kick returning. That's pretty damn awesome. A little more space and the guy's got incredible ability. But those defensive numbers were awesome. And Mike Zimmer, I think, you know, stuff like that makes you feel a hell of a lot better. It, it really does. Ah, uh, Josh Meir Henry continues saying, that's actually awesome to see a team with discipline for once. No more boat scandals, LOL. Yep, that's for sure. Ah, what is this? Eric Mustard posts Sherman and Dolores Kowal to my beloved, the Minnetonka Queen. That's the boat. Straight cash, D and D. Straight cash, D and D. Wow. Yeah, that was interesting stuff. Um, <laughs> Weird stuff, but hilarious at the same time. Oh, boy, look at you. Look at you. Now I got this thing. Why did I click on it? Oh, Lord, why did I do that? See now? Okay, good, it continues. Vikings pre-Zimmer back to 2000. And, of course, yep, the arrests were pretty horrible. Pretty damn horrible. Big changes by Zimmer, and that is awesome. Uh, Rick Spielman uh, explains the selection of cornerback Mike Hughes from Leland Albertson, also out of Iowa. He says, a lot of us Iowa Viking fans were disappointed to see them pass on the Hawks, but this guy seems like an all-around player pick. And yes, good thoughts, Leland, there. Um, very true. Love Leland out of Iowa. Uh, Kurt, look at you. Kurt's Kurt's messaging. Does that mean we, we want Trey Waynes for one more year? Well, yeah. 
Yep, he just well, he just uh, sent me an instant message here on Facebook. Well, yeah, apparently it does, right? Uh, I just uh, I just wrote yes. That's about it. I mean, it's that simple. Apparently, we want him back. Uh, I'm not against it. Uh, I was saying all the linemen I would have wanted are getting scooped up. Pisses me off every freaking year. Eric Mustard says three guards in the first five picks in the second round. Yeah, exactly. And that that's what happened. I mean, it's like bada bing, bada boom. That's all she wrote. Eric Mustard. Oh, tackle. Finally, an O-line pick from Eric Mustard there. Yep. And that was Mr. Uh, Brian O'Neill. And of course, six foot seven, under 300. Yep. Sounds like a project. And yeah, it does sound like a project. Uh, Roger Inboden continues saying, okay, I was saying, I think so too, but unfortunately, uh, I think so too, unfortunately, but extremely athletic, will be good for the running game at the very least. And Eric, uh, excuse me, Roger responds with maybe true, but we were to be all in this year. Exactly. Before the Cousins deal hurts us, should have gotten a plug and play guard or tackle like the cornerback this year, but we can't go best available. And that's exactly the truth. Um, uh, yeah. I responded a few things there, and Eric Mustard didn't respond. I hope I didn't scare him away or annoy him or anything. I don't think I did. Um, things are wrapping up here. He said, uh, Dave Hickey says, he looks like a quality pick. He's athletic and, athletic and big in a position of need. And, of course, the long arms. Leland responds to Dave Hickey, saying, agreed, an all-purpose lineman. I can see him floating that line if he has the skills because he has the size. Yes, and, I, yeah, I think he'll be all over the place. Uh, Brian O'Neill's got the quickness. There's no doubt about it. I was mentioning about after the Tampa trade, the Vikings have Tyrell Crosby and three technique Maurice Hurst still available. And nobody responded. They just clicked like, okay, that's fine. My initial feelings on the draft, I was saying I wasn't impressed at all. Oh, there's going to be a lot more response again. <laughs> it's a busy show with the responses. It won't be too bad, though. Uh, Trey Buckles says, I think it was solid. Hughes is plug and play right away. I, I, um, when you are picking 30, you don't have many holes to fill anyway. O-line would be fine last year if it wasn't for some injuries. Then we added depth elsewhere. So good thoughts there. Cedric Pauling says we finally have a great kicker. Yes. Patrick Grant says wait and see. So you have to let it wait out. Um, Sebastian Barton says we are not getting the flashy names, but last time I checked, Sandejo, Cousins, Thielen, Diggs, and Morgan, and Hunter were not sexy names, and they are all solid players. Good thoughts, Sebastian. Ali Sidikai says time will tell. I remember many of us were disappointed with the Kevin Williams pick and happy with the Rasmus James pick. Just never know. And yeah, that's a, a wow, not even close, right? Not even close. Um, yeah, I remember being disappointed with the Kevin Williams pick and then look what he turned out to be. Ali Siddiqui continues, says Hughes can return kicks too, which will help the offense. Sebastian says, and we don't know if Newman is returning or how long he will stay. And I don't think he is. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he'll be an assistant coach. So to get a number, uh, to get a returner and a corner is solid. It's not like he's CP84. Yep, he's better than that. Ollie likes the Hughes pick. Can never have too many corners, and a kick returner is a very underrated to the need for the team. Exactly. They had no kick returner last year. Marcus Sherrills was not that good last year. In fact, I, I'm ready to see, I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't cry if he left. Uh, he plays the same position as Mike Hughes, by the way. So think about it. He's not a very good cornerback. He's just here for a kick up punt returns, and that's it. So, yeah, I don't know. That might be a wasted roster spot. Uh, Ali continues saying, don't know if he'll be as good a returner as Percy and CP, but I think he'll be good. He might end up being better. Uh, Sebastian says, especially with Jet gone. Jet wasn't great, but he was good. Ali says he's okay, but definitely gambled too much taking uh, the debt. Hmm. This just goes and goes, doesn't it? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> uh, Ali says he doubts Newman comes back as a coach, possibly. 
It's a kind of back conversation back and forth. Jeff Froyland responded that plus Waynes will be asking around $10 million a year in the next contract. Whether they can afford it or not, I don't know, but this can help with the leverage and make it play harder. Mark Carlson says, I don't like flashy. Flashy names or flashy salaries, especially those players with the present uh, uh, attitude like CP84. Yeah, preset attitude. I hated him. I was saying I wasn't asking for flashy, but we almost got zero online help here is what I was saying. Sebastian says, true, true. O'Neal could be good, according to Ali Sidikai, and the starting guard will bring more depth. So, yeah, the Appalachian State guard will bring more depth. Yep, yeah, he's a depth guy. Uh, Brad McCarthy says, one free agent lineman and two drafted. I hope it's enough for depth. Hopefully. And, yep, we're almost at the end here. Gerald String says, I'm thinking they took Hughes over Hernandez because they just felt he was the better overall athlete. Instead of reaching for a need after Hernandez, I think the talent dropped off pretty fast. If we can get Reef, Elfline, Remmers, and Easton to come in 100% healthy, they can figure it out from there. Maybe they can work on the kid from Pitt they drafted. I do like that our defense seems <laughs> like it just keeps getting better and better, adding more depth. And yes, they did. They added more depth, again, with the Jalen Holmes pick, and of course, Hughes. So, and even uh, maybe Devontae Downs. We'll see what happens there. <clears throat> At the end of the day, I'm that Aruna guy out of Tulane. <laughs> Leland wraps it up saying, Be great, in my opinion. If the linemen pan out, we should be good. Draft is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Yep. <laughs> we all know where that came from originally. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, some look really good on draft day, but never pan out. Some later rounds didn't look good draft day, but are sweet players. Like Gerald String said, assessment bump. So let's give out the stars and wrap things up here. I want to thank you guys very much for your inclusion on this show. Awesome. Um, the gold star for this episode, eh, boy, it's so it's always hard. I'm going to give it to Ali Sidikai. Uh, silver star is going to go to Leland. And the gold uh, bronze star could go to a few people here. Oh, man. Uh, it's always so hard. Uh, Dave Hickey and Gerald String will share their bronze star. Awesome thoughts, guys. Awesome indeed. Sebastian also should get a silver-plated bronze star indeed. Uh, great comments back and forth. Love the interaction and the commentary. Thanks, guys. And uh, A lot of you deserve stars all the time. But uh, this is the guys I'm going to give it to for this show. Thanks again, uh, Leland. Great, great uh, contribution. And others, those of you out there as well. <clears throat> Gerald Serena, always thank you guys so much for your inclusion. As now, I'm going to take a hiatus from Purple Mafia. As, of course, the schedule is going to get busy. And, of course, I'm going to be moving. So podcasting is going to have to take the back burner for a little while. Um, State of the Timberwolves and State of the Wild will be the next shows for that. And it'll be basically like a kind of a catch-up type of show with other maybe free agent moves. Luckily, I got the Trey Waynes move in here now, so that's good. <laughs> I got the Trey Waynes move included into this show, so at least you're updated on that, but maybe I'll have people comment. I don't know. But with that, again, the next show will be a uh, catch-up type of show like I do every June-ish, June, July-ish, and then as we head into training camp and all that, it's all just around the corner. But I will 99% chance be moving back to Golden Valley, Minnesota, which I'm very happy about. Not, um, so that's good. I'll be closer to where the lawn service is, closer to everything there, and close to the major freeways, which will be helpful as well, rather than kind of plunk in the middle of God knows, kind of in a sense. It's still, it's obviously a suburb, but it's not close to any freeways where I'm at right now, which is irritating. And when you get to the freeway, it's a long drive and just gets too long. So it's good to be nice and close, get things started quickly and early in the morning 
when I need to do lawn service and, of course, share my wife, it's about halfway closer to the airport. Brooklyn Park and the airport? No, not even close. Golden Valley is about halfway there from here. So that helps. It helps in a big way. So you're kind of in the middle, basically, rather than, like, way, way north. So obviously the uh, airport is considerably south. So, <laughs> And I'm not moving considerably south. So <laughs> you get the idea there. Um, compromise is necessary, just like in everything, <clears throat> just like in everyday life. So that's kind of the reasoning why I'm moving, obviously. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, you know, I, I miss Golden Valley a little bit, even though it's not an interesting city. Brooklyn Park's got some stuff to offer too here, and which I appreciate. Um, so I will miss it. I'll miss the stargazing and all that because I think the, the stargazing is better out here because it's a little further away from Minneapolis. You can see the... Uh, you can really see the stars out here, which is pretty cool. Even though it's not like a Zimmerman, Minnesota, where you could really see the stars, including the uh, little dark area where there's nothing going on in between uh, Elk River and Zimmerman. It's about a 10-mile stretch where it would be like stargazing heaven on the right night because <laughs> there's no lights at all. So with that, I will wrap things up. I want to wish all of you a happy uh, spring here now that it's finally here. Hope you're able to get whatever you need done. And if any of you are moving, well, I'm joining you in that miserable thing. I hate moving, but it is what it is. What are you going to do, right? Hopefully I won't have to do that for a while after I get back to Golden Valley. Looking forward to that possibility or likelihood here very soon. Take care, everybody. We'll be back in a month or two, probably a month uh, or so. Month, month and a half, something like that. It's going to be a little while. But because um, I don't ex I don't anticipate any major news coming up like this guy got fired or whatever or the Vikings traded like five players for this guy so who knows <laughs> who knows it'll happen though until next time enjoy the spring and enjoy the sun and all that good stuff and we'll talk to you soon.